and welcome to Inside 50, two absolute superstars. They've both looked fit enough to still run out and be playing for their respective teams this weekend. Jimmy Bartell and Shane Crawford. Shane, you're fit as a fiddle, you're tipping well, life is good. Well, no, I definitely couldn't play. Um, maybe have to stop eating for a while and, and uh, having the occasional beverage. But um, Jimmy, mate, Jimmy, I was always going to ask him, hey, do you want to come and have a kick with the old Myrna Bushcats? Have a look at him. But I think he's actually too fit. What you think about it, Jimmy? When was the last time you played a competitive game? Uh, my last game of football. Yeah. Uh, prelim final, 2015 against the Swans. We got done. But I learned this trick off my grandfather. As you get older, you just go slightly up a size. <laughs> and then you just keep, you keep increasing the size. And you just look like, oh, geez, you've dropped a bit of weight. It's, a, it's an old trick. But um, great discovery by Shane and I before we come on air that your hair actually isn't real. What? No, look, it's not true. I did put out on social media I was pretty flat after the weekend where Prince William was awarded the world's sexiest bald man and I was pretty confident I was going to win that. That was obviously tongue-in-cheek because I still have this magnificent bouffant. I resemble <laughs> one of the English guards that lurks around <laughs> Prince William. But without deviating too much who, from who, our footy topics, top three? were you a little surprised that Prince William got that? Like Daniel Harford for mine, the ex-Hawthorne yes. star teammate of yours, now media superstar, I would have had a pretty short favourite there. Well, back in the day, it used to be Bruce Willis. Yep. You know, everyone loved Bruce Willis and all the action stars, you know. And now you've got Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. he got no hair. So uh, it's a pretty challenging list. Koshy. Koshy? <laughs> Mr. Potato Head. I would have gone with the former number 29 at Geelong. That... Yeah, the, the ball, or Paul Chapman. We had a lot of bald, bald-headed blokes. Tom Harley. There was a few there, and then there was a few in the AFL who then... They went bald and then they tried the rug. Yes. You know, David Hale, Guira, there was... Josh there was, Walker's running with Josh, the rug. Yep. Anyone else that has a rug that we don't know about? Nothing wrong with that, though. Like, why not? If the that's what you want, have a crack at it. Guira's was superb, though. It was a total Josh Joel Selwood was going bald. Really? Yeah, and then I think the Propecia tablets. Oh, really? I think Propecia. I hope I said the right word there. Is this public knowledge? No. <laughs> I did. I got in trouble uh, on one of these podcasts because I revealed that Hutchie used to spray his hair on yes, for, I for a while, which is true. But the thing on Brent Guerra, a very good player, the Saints came to the Hawks, went at Port Adelaide and had a bit of a wild side, you know. So Clarko said to him, you can come to us, but one mistake, you're out, you know. So he was walking on eggshells the whole time, but he was a wonderful player. But I do remember him when he was getting a bit of work and he slid on the MCG once and slid on his head and then... It just sort of got stuck in this position. He couldn't sort of get it back down to how he wanted to because you, had to, you actually had to glue bits and pieces, um, which is tough. But I don't think he's running with it anymore. I think he's just straight all off. Yep. Sam all Newman's off. made a living of telling the story about Craig Hutchinson <laughs> when he was playing golf in America. And it blew and, off. And the toupee blew off. Oh, I actually appreciate that. He reckons it landed in a tree <laughs> and then a bird landed in it, used it as a nest. <laughs> Probably true. Look at us three sitting here smirking. I don't think that's one problem any of us are going to have. No, we've all got pretty strong hairlines, don't we? Well, I, I grow ha- uh, hair on my face pretty well. I had a shave about half an hour ago and it grows straight back. Remember the beard you used to run with? Mm. I that, forgot that, how that big that, that beard was until I saw photos it? of that the other day. That, and very trendy beard, you know, ahead of its time. And then all of a sudden, it was a bit like the tats. All of a sudden, everyone starts, you know, running with uh, that style of beard as a, a trendy sort of, you know, connection to... How life is these days. Now, you ran the beard, was it uh, violence against women? Yep, uh, to you know, start conversations around domestic violence and also to raise a, a fair bit of money, which Tab kicked in, which was very kind of them as well. So um, raise some money for some good charities, start the conversation because 
when you run around there with the Ned Kelly beard, you don't mind the jokes that people say you look like Grug or <laughs> Ned Kelly or um, Happy Gilmore's caddy. But, but that was okay because of the humour side of it. And then on the serious note, it opened up the conversation about respect towards women. How long did you go without shaving? 200 days. 200 days. Actually, you know where the top of your jumper is here. Look, it's sat on that. And then you got into a habit of whenever you'd eat, because my thing was I wasn't allowed to trim it, only just around here because you didn't want food. But when you'd go to eat, you'd eat something and then you'd have to have a serviette and wipe eat like that because everyone just got stuck in your beard. Yeah, Not a problem I've ever had. I, I tried a beard a few Christmases ago. I reckon I almost got two months. soon as I didn't have to do any work of any style, like, okay, I'm not shaving. I'm just going to let it go. But it, it was it was red, grey, uh, orange, all sorts of colours. I'm like, wow, that is a really ugly beard that i got. You'd go with a good moustache, I reckon. No, no. A it'd really, be like a, it'd real be like creepy a, one. It'd be like a test cricket team. There'd be 11 on each side and that'd be about <laughs> it. You'd be uh, maybe a goatee for you and the big choppers down the side. I think the best I could do with is, is a bit of stubble. What about the Australian cricket team? Remember they all like yep. Ricky Ponting, Damien yeah. Martin, Gillespie, all that, the little... You were going to call it the bum fluff and decide to think of another uh, name. I had another name for it and I went, oh, that's, yeah. that's not appropriate. <laughs> Which we normally know yeah. by, but... Yes. <laughs> this has gone down a path I didn't expect today. Straighten the ship up, yeah. And I couldn't be happier as well because people absolutely love the banner that comes with this show. Australia's had many great racing and sports moments, and here's the next. The Tab app is now available on Google Play. Download it today. Tab. Long may we play. Google Play is a trademark of Google LLC. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help. 1-800-858-858. It's been an interesting few weeks in the AFL. Last year, we went through and had to look at all the clubs go through their struggles with the travel and whatnot, and unfortunately, that's come back into play a little bit in 2021. So I wanted to ask you guys about a time where travel didn't quite go to script. Jimmy Bartel, put on the pads and open the batting. Oh, I think uh, start of 2007, we had, oh, I forget where it was, NAB at that stage. Yeah, it was been NAB Cup, Wizard Cup, ANSET Cup. It's Foster's been, Cup when Foster's we were Foster's Cup, up. it's all been different. We're playing uh, the Port Adelaide Pair up in um, Darwin as they'd often send you around Australia to get those first rounds. It took us 16 and a half hours to get to Darwin. Oh. We flew into Alice and then we'll get a connecting flight. Jeez. But we had to stay at Alice Springs because there was a big electric storm going on in Darwin. So they're like, you can't come over the airway. So we waited a couple of hours there. Then we finally landed in, in Darwin and there was almost a tropical cyclone going on. But they wouldn't let us off the plane because they said there's lightning in the air. So we just had to sit on the plane. We sat on the plane for another five hours. So we're waiting and waiting. Eventually, as the rain is hammering down, we're, you look out the window and you see the baggage man. I think he looked up and he started laughing, started throwing all our bags in the water like this, just like grab them off and they're landing in puddles of water and we're going, going to have some wet gear for the next couple of days like this. We get onto the bus, there's a hole in the, in the roof of the bus and it's dripping water and the one man sitting under it is Big Neil Balm, <laughs> who looks like Peter Griffin from uh, Family Guy. He's got the water coming down on him, just sitting there holding under the seat. So that was going well. Crocodile comes over the... Over one of the bridges. This is how big the cyclone. And cool. The whole time we're getting told we might be turned around on the plane and we'll have to play this game back in Adelaide because they thought this cyclone coming through, we can't play a game of footy. We get to the hotel, so we're all just in our room. Everyone's trying to dry out their stuff in you know, a hotel that's ripping full of air conditioner and things like that. Electric storm's coming. People, boys start texting each other, go, have a look out the window. Go, What's going on here? Look out the window in the hotel pool with an electric storm. There's Nathan Ablett on his back just... <laughs> 
having a paddle in the pool like this. No. There was tears and laughter. The club doctors are running down. Physios, the coaches, get out of the water like this. And he's just, just <laughs> swanning around. They're like, you're going to get electrocuted here in the, in the water. Don't care. No care in the world. We eventually get to the game. And no joke, there was pools of water on, on the oval up there at Darwin. And Port Adelaide are a much more experienced side. And they sort of... They got Choco Williams, who wanted to coach from the bench, standing out in the rain, showing how tough he is, and yelling and screaming at players. And you got Chad Corners just going, "We're we're playing a preseason game in a cyclone here." That's oh, like Clacko in the snow. Yeah, last year or two years ago. Maybe he just had the short, shorts and the t-shirt. But I think one of these coaches are mad. Yeah, I think both sides just wanted to get out of there and yeah. things like that. So the best way to get out of there is you have a drawn game and you got to play some extra time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, goes into a draw. Joel Selwood, I think, in his first year, his first actual sort of senior official game uh, for the club, kicks the match winner. And I think both sides just went, what has happened in the last two days up here? And just shook hands. And you went, couldn't script that. Couldn't, and we end up seeing him in the grand final at the end of the year. That is absolutely superb. We need to dig up some footage of that. What yourself, Crawford? I dare well, say that's going to be hard to top no, any time. It- can't top that. But it was Port Adelaide we were playing against. And... I think there was some type of plane strike or whatever. We, we couldn't get a proper plane. So I, I do remember we had to drive out to the airport and then we were getting on this plane, but it was like a mail plane. So they had to actually, they, they're just finishing uh, tightening the nuts for the seats in some of the areas. It was like, you know, like a cargo plane. I don't know if it was a strike. There was, there was something to do. We had obviously issues. The AFL had issues with a few of the planes and what was going on. And it was virtually a makeshift plane that uh, they strapped together um, just so they could get us over to Adelaide to, to go and take on the team. And I swear, I, I thought I was going to turn around and, and look in the back and there was chooks in cages and all sorts <laughs> of things. But, but no, th- those interstate trips, when, when you go over, and especially when you're the underdogs and you can find a way to win, they're, they're the best bonding sessions because normally when you go interstate, especially you play a night game in Perth or Adelaide, you, you stay there. So you hit the town. So I remember uh, Adelaide. We played Adelaide, you know, early few years when Adelaide were up and about. It was amazing atmosphere, you know, 40-plus Adelaide Oval. It was pretty incredible. But um, if you had a win, yeah, like the bonding set, straight out to the nightclubs, onto the dancing, onto the podiums, you know, away you go. Everyone's having a great time. And the only one that, that I can remember after we had a really good win that didn't go out was Chris Langford. Um, he was the, the captain at the time and he stayed in the hotel because that's not his style. But the rest of us all went out. We had the best night and it actually bonded us together for the whole year. So, um, you know, those those moments are pretty special. Yeah, you know, like as a young kid, it's like, how good is this? I'm playing A for footy. We had a win in the state. You go out, you meet new friends. Life's pretty good. <laughs> best and worst player to travel with and room with. Well, I always had early days we'd, we'd share room, but... It, became pretty quick that everyone got their own room, but it was always Ablett Bartel, alphabetical, sort of, they'd put you together. So, Junior, and he, he wasn't a bad roommate, but he loved to be on the phone all night to his really? girlfriend at the time. And Lauren. Lauren, yeah. So he's she like, loves a chat. Yeah, I guess, yeah, he'd go, oh, you want to you wanna head outside? Yeah, like he'd, he'd say, ask you to leave the room so he can go, no, mate, you're heading down the hallway. <laughs> but he was, was a pretty good roommate. He had his little quirks and, and things like that. So... He wasn't exactly the worst teammate. So I got pretty lucky with him. We'd always sit next to each other because, you know, they'd file everything off alphabetical order. He'd be a good one, I think. You know, yeah, he's not going to be too annoying. He's not going to be out late. 
No, he's pretty quiet. Pretty quiet. No, no, Benny Dixon was the one that I'd room with a lot. You know, he was someone that lived with me and we got each other. I, I used to leave the TV on I'd, and that used to relax me and I'd fall asleep. But um, so I said to him, and we, unlike Geelong, we couldn't afford to have our own room, so we had to always have two in a room. So you guys must have had a different budget to what we were running with. But uh, he was always he was always a bit of fun, um, Dicko. And, you know, he didn't care. Because like, you always, especially when you're room with someone and you're virtually sleeping in the same room in a hotel. So it's like when you go to the toilet or, you know, as soon as someone moves around, it's quite annoying. Yeah. So um, you soon work out what works and what doesn't. I did go and play Gaelic footy in Ireland for Australia, which was awesome, a lot of fun. And the very first night, we flew from uh, Australia, went to England and then across to Ireland. And then the very first night, I was rooming with Angelo Lekas, who was a teammate of mine anyway at Hawthorne, but he was also part of the All-Australian team and or the Australian team. So I roomed with him and I forgot to tell him that I sleptwalked. Not as bad these days, but I'm a bad sleepwalker. You know, I, I just carry on like nothing else. But anyway, we went to sleep that night, very first night in Dublin. <laughs> and every time I bring it up with him, he's still like scared from the moment. <laughs> he woke up and he was lying in bed and he had his had his doona over him and I was standing over the top of him on top of his bed and I was naked. <laughs> <laughs> and I was yelling at the top of my which, which I can't really remember, but I was yelling and, and having a dream and carrying on about something. And I, I think I might have thought there was snakes or whatever. So I'm, And he reckons he was there and he's going, oh, please go back to bed, please go back to bed. <laughs> and then in the morning he's like, what What on earth's going on? What, what? And I'm like, and I started to recall, oh, okay, right, oh, I should have told you, sorry, I'm a sleepwalker and whatever. So he tried he tried to swap with uh, Matty Pavlich to get him sleeping and rooming with me for the rest of the trip. But I said, mate, I'm sorry, it won't happen again. And it's normally when I'm overtired, but I'll tell you what, he, reckon, <laughs> he reckons for the whole trip he used to sleep with one eye open thinking, <laughs> is he having another fit? What's going on? But that's that's just the way I was. I'm a sleepwalker. He should have known all the snakes were chased out of Ireland. He had nothing to worry about. Well, that's it, yeah. So uh, anyway, so I think it was... And, and even though we'd played at Hawthorne for a long, long time, he didn't actually know that about me. So, um, yeah, so <laughs> I'll never forget his face. If you ever see him walking through the street, just say, hey, tell us about the night that uh, you woke up with Rolf in Ireland. What happened? You can see, like, all the blood runs from his face and he's like, oh, no, I'll never get over that night. Still has nightmares about it. We need this audio to get back to him. Australia's had many great racing and sports moments, and here's the next. The Tab app is now available on Google Play. Download it today. Tab. Long may we play. Google Play is a trademark of Google LLC. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help. 1-800-858-858. All right, we've had some fun on the podcast, but it's time to knuckle down and find some winners in round number four. And we start, Shane Crawford, by taking a look at your Hawks up against the Dockers. We know you've been tipping against Hawthorne throughout 2021. What do you anticipate the brown and gold will dish up this week against the Purple Haze? Well, with the Hawks, you sort of know what you're going to get. You're going to get some consistency. That's what I was expecting coming into this year. Um, I think they're lacking, obviously, some talent to uh, to be right up there and, and possibly make the finals. But I think they're just going to be a pain in the backside. Um, Fremantle, very disappointing last week. Back at home, they're a different side. I think it's a, a two, three, four goal advantage, especially when the crowd gets behind them. Um, so that's why I'm probably leaning towards Fremantle, only because of the, the home crowd factor. And they are lacking some players, but um, mainly tools through injury. But however, 
I still think their young players coming through um, through the middle are really important for them. I think they're really consistent players. They just had a downer last week. So I'm expecting a response. It's going to be tough. Um, what a great opportunity for Hawthorne to take a, a lot of young kids over there on a bit of a road trip and uh, to learn a lot about yourself as a footballer. So uh, not very confident um, from a Hawks point of view. And, um, yeah, leading very much towards the Fremantle Dockers to have another win for season 2021. Um, but I don't think it'll be a blowout margin because Alistair Clarkson's, we've seen against Richmond, we've seen against Geelong, he's, he's able to shut the games down fairly well. So that means a very organised and structured side. Um, so it's a bit different to some of the other teams who are really playing some freewheeling football. Um, Hawthorne obviously realise where they're at as a, a football club and, um, you know, they've devised game plans where they can obviously shut scoring down for a little while, which certainly obviously helps uh, with margins in games, although they nearly pinched it against the Mighty Cats. But uh, I think Fremantle will win, um, and I think it'll be a reasonably close game. Melbourne's made a bright start to the season. They've got a big test this week against Geelong. How do you anticipate this game being played? What a match this is going to be at the MCG. So that's an advantage to Melbourne. Gee, they're up and about, doing a great job. Um, you know, everyone was ready to give it to Melbourne coming into this season, but they've, you know, got that perfect record, um, which is just awesome to get the supporters up and about, get the players really believing in themselves. Um, you know, when you think about it, you've got Max Gorn through the middle, you've got Christian Petrarca, Oliver, Viney, you've got a guy in the forward line, Kasaya Pickett, probably one of the most exciting forwards going around, especially when the ball hits the ground. So, um, yeah, this is this – is, uh, and you've got a really settled back line, which is really important, I think, especially at the MCG where, you know, they just know how to play and zone that ground and um, they'll have a lot of confidence going in against the Cats. The Cats have been very, very scratchy. Um, obviously lost round one, round two. Uh, they fell across the line against the Brisbane Lions, although the Brisbane Lions probably should have won that really when – they weren't awarded a, uh, a free kick in the goal square. And then against the Hawks, well, did they switch off a bit? Did they get a bit tired towards the end? Um, you know, they fell across the line as well. So it hasn't been convincing from the Cats, but guess what? They've got the four points and that's all you need. So they've got two wins so far. Um, you know, they'd be very happy with that, just getting the four points. And not only that, you often see coming to the season, you see, you know, those premiers, and the sides that have pushed for premiership glory, like the Cats and the Tigers, you see them play reasonable football, but they're never at their very best. They're just trying to find a way, um, you know, virtually grind away, and that's definitely what the Cats have been doing. Um, this is a different test for them, though, up against Melbourne, a really confident Melbourne, um, who are really starting to believe in themselves as a football club. We know they've been a very consistent football club, uh, you know, from a latter point of view, always been ninth, 10th, 11th. They can, you know, go in runs. Um, and even last year when they weren't winning at the start of the year, they were highly competitive and they were having a go. They just needed to clean up their ball use, which it looks as though they're starting to get that on track. I'm tipping the Cats to win, um, although I really do think it's a 50-50 game. Uh, I'm only, only thinking that the Cats have got a lot of improvement to come and... You know, I, I just feel that if they're going to really click uh, for a couple of quarters, maybe that's good enough to uh, beat the Ds. But confidence level is very low. Um, it is good to see the Demons up and about. 
but I'm leaning towards the Cats in a reasonably close match. And Crawford's a well-known fact. You're a big fan of CP5, Christian Petrarca. I think you may have even said he was better than Dustin Martin last year. Not sure about that. How have you assessed his start to the season? Christian Petrarca, um, I was a massive fan of last year. I kept pushing. I know I got heavily criticised when I said at the time he was playing better, better at the time he was playing better football than Dustin Martin. And um, and then Dustin Martin went on a run after that, <laughs> probably two weeks later, where he had a, an incredible six-week period. But the thing I love about Christian Petrarca, it's it's not just getting the football, and we know he's very freakish, we know he can kick goals, we know he can get, win the ball through the middle, but he's dragging two and three opponents towards him. So it's helping his side enormously. Um, so it's it's not just all about the uh, the showy things that we know he's extremely capable of doing. It's what he's actually doing for the team. That, that's what I love from a, a team point of view. That, that's the way Melbourne are going to improve as a football club is if they can have, you know, and, and some sides have them. You know, Collingwood's got Dugowie when he's in form. He needs a few players. You're keeping an eye on him, not just one. You know, the defenders need help. Dustin Martin's obviously one who's been freakish and, and needs a lot of attention, although it surprises me he doesn't get a lot of attention um, these days because they just seem to take him on all the time, which is just leaves me scratching my head. But, um, yeah, he, he's right up there with the very best. I'd imagine if you had the Brownlow medal um, done and dusted right now, he'd be figuring right up there, especially with Melbourne winning their first three games. Um, maybe Max Gorn might take a couple off him. But, yeah, he's a wonderful player. The great thing is he's realised that he's he belongs up the very top. And once you've got a player who's trained hard, starting to believe in their body, got some consistency with the way that they train but also the way they play, and knowing that they can play and probably beat anyone one-on-one, um, you know, they're very special players to have in the AFL. So uh, I put him very much in that category as a very special player to watch and to have in our game, and that's what makes our game great, players like him. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome to see. Crawford's been a tough start to the season for North Melbourne. How do you anticipate they'll go against the Crows? Probably one of the few games. They're half a chance of winning this year. Yeah, North Melbourne against the Crows. Um, oh, you couldn't... Yes, maybe they are half a chance, but they were so disappointed. They've been really disappointing, apart from their very first quarter this year against Port Adelaide, which I thought they had a real red-hot go. Uh, they've really dropped away. So uh, they've got a, a lot of work to do. You couldn't possibly tip them, even against the Crows. And I know the Crows have been down very low, but have a look at what they've been able to do and the way they've been able to take the game on. And you, Crows have got Sloan, some real senior, experienced players in red-hot form. You've got Sloan and you've got Tex Walker. He is red-hot at the moment. He His body's obviously feeling good. His confidence is sky-high. And just what he can do, even off one step, he does stuff that a lot of forwards can't do. So... Um, I wouldn't imagine that North Melbourne could win this. I do hope they're highly competitive. Um, they need to be for their supporters to give them a bit of hope and see some improvement. Um, they've got to keep pushing along with those young kids. And you've got to remember, they've still got players like Zebel and Cunnington in their side who are extremely capable, but they're not that real running type, which the game is is sort of heading towards. So um, they need to maybe change things up a touch Maybe make it a bit more physical. I think we're getting a bit too nice with football these days. Everyone's just running around having a kick like a uh, a bruise-free sort of game of football, which, you know, I think North Melbourne, especially with those big bodies like Zeeble and Cunnington, you know, they need to bash and crash a bit and, and make um, make those running types realise that 
uh, okay, we're not going to be able to run to areas that we really want and force them into parts of the ground that they don't really want to go. I do think Adelaide will win. Um, I do think it will be a better contest uh, from North Melbourne, but they're so out of form at the moment, so you couldn't possibly, you couldn't possibly tick them. And do you have a general rule about tipping and punting on games where two bad teams are involved? Do you think sometimes you get a good opportunity or is it a little bit of buy beware? Well, when you're looking to uh, back, you know, especially two teams that are a bit out of form or very inconsistent, uh, you, you get what you offer up. You really do. It's, it's, it's a bit of a – it's not a no-bet situation because you can always try and predict that, oh, no, they're going to hit a bit of form here or um, – you know, maybe it'll go this way. But when you've got some inconsistencies from players, from teams changing all the time with the, the team balance from form-wise, um, yeah, it, it's virtually you've got to sit and just hope. You really do. You've got to cross your fingers, cross your legs, cross your toes because it never really plays out the way you want it to. And we've seen so far this year, and especially coming in round four, I reckon round four is probably our best round of footy so far with from a competition point of view but we've seen like you're starting a season you know weeks uh, sides get tired one week and they have a shocker you know you look at last week and you know the Sydney Swans destroyed the Richmond Football Club you could never predict that you could predict them to win because they're in good form but you couldn't predict them to wipe a side you know you, you have a look at you know, how disappointing the Saints were. Um, what about the Bulldogs just absolutely destroying North Melbourne? You could expect them to win, but not absolutely destroy. So you just, it's its very hard to get a real read. Um, you know, even early on in the season, Geelong are just going at the moment. Yet we still keep picking them. Brisbane Lions look like they're starting to grind back into some consistent form. But, you know... Can Melbourne keep going? They're undefeated. So there's all these question marks. The Hawks, yes, they're showing some consistency. So you could back them confidently to lose, but not by much, if that makes sense. So there's, you know, all these – I still think it's too early to um, to set your path as well. I think a few more games will give us, obviously, some more consistency on how we can attack, um, you know, having a little wager on, especially some negative sides or some poor performing sides. Um, but in saying that, you know, just stick with the strength, go with what you know, um, stick with the sides, you know, maybe the margins is the way to go. You know, if if you think there might be a blowout at one stage with the good sides, but, um, yeah, it's very, it's very, very inconsistent at the moment. It's very tough. And, you know, especially if you've got a multi and you're relying on one of those bad sides to, uh, bring it all home probably not going to happen so um yeah be wary big time you told us last week you think port is the team to beat from a premiership perspective a week later has anything changed that view well i've so far this year i've i think port adelaide are going to win the premiership but i did pick west coast last week to beat them um over there because i just thought you know what west coast they're in pretty good form um at home we know they're a better side um and I just thought, if this is the week that Port are going to lose, I reckon it was going to be, um, you know, to West Coast Eagles. And obviously it worked out that way. Um, I'm not, not trying to pump myself up, but I got a lot of others wrong. Don't worry about that. I didn't pick the Swans. Um, there was another side that I got wrong as well. But um, I do think they're the best side. I just think from a list point of view, they've got great depth. 
a lot of senior type players that haven't been able to get a game this year, which just shows you that um, you know these young kids are really pushing ahead. Just balance is a real key word for me. I think one thing I'm really confident uh, this week is that Port Adelaide will beat Richmond. Um, it is uh, obviously at Adelaide Oval. I'm super confident that'll happen because um, I reckon we'll get a true indication of of the real Port Adelaide this week. And Richmond, you know, still got a, a couple of players out and, you know, still not at their very best. But then again, I don't think Port Adelaide are at their very best, but I, I think um, I think they've gone ahead, but only time will tell. So I do think Port Adelaide can win. And uh, I'm reasonably confident that can happen this week. All right, Crawford, you've seen them really well so far this year. What's your best bet and best multi-bet for the weekend? My best bets uh, are the Sydney Swans, just in really good form. I'm loving the young kids. Uh, you can't just shut down on one player. And they do play sort of a bit of an old-school defence as well, real man-on-man and just let's work harder than the opposition. Obviously, Brett Kirk was a super player for them a long, long time ago, and he was a real workhorse, and he's a part of that coaching um, setup. So it's sort of – I'm really enjoying what they're bringing to the table. Buddy Franklin comes back in which I think has been very smart the way that they've done that. Play one game, get through extra few days to recover. They are playing Thursday night, so I get what they're trying to do. I just think they've managed it really well. Last year, I thought the Swans were really competitive with such a young team, so I'm expecting them to win again and be up near the top of the ladder, undefeated, four and zip against the Bombers. It won't be a walk in the park because I think the Bombers are okay. But, um, you know, I expect the Sydney Swans to win. They're my best bet for the round. And my multi, I'm going to go with a bit of value this week. I'm going to go with the Giants to have their very first win against Collingwood. It's very tough. Last week, they were playing, they were having a go. Um, but they have three of their key players go down during a match. It makes it impossible. It really does. So I don't think their form, and I, I've last few weeks I've been, you know, sticking up for them. I'm going to give them one more chance, only because Coniglio goes down, uh, Davis goes down. They're two captains, two real leaders, especially from a structure point of view. And then uh, DeBoer, who's a run with, who's doing a really good job with Clayton Oliver. So they're three important players. And as the game's happening, um, you know, they go out of it. It's it's a massive loss. So I'm going with the Giants, which is just to, just say you're multi shame, but I'm going with you. Going with the Giants in an upset. I'm going to go with the Cats to beat Melbourne. Not confident. Um, not very confident at all. But I just think you might get a little bit of value there to throw that in. And then the Saints to beat the West Coast Eagles, only because they were so putrid and they've copped it all week in the media. And normally you get a response, and they're at home on their home deck. Their effort, we know, will be there this week because it was lacking last week. Offensive and defensive pressure. Um, they just weren't working both ways. So I'm, I'm expecting the Saints to win. I really do expect the Saints to win. It's going to be a hard watch for the Saints supporters, but it's to keep their season alive um, and give the supporters a bit of hope that they can get back on track. So the Saints, the Cats and the Giants. Confidence level low. But I'm going for a bit of value and trying a bit different this week. Punters, hopefully you've been enjoying Inside 50.
has had many great racing and sports moments, and here's the next. The Tab app is now available on Google Play. Download it today. Tab. Long may we play. Google Play is a trademark of Google LLC. Gamble responsibly. Gambler's help. 1-800-858-858.